Your Steve Jones Show podcast will start shortly. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Brewers Outlet, your beverage supermarket on Reagan Street in Sunbury. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Happy Friday to you. Great to have you with us. Brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the Beverage Supermarket. Imports, domestics, microbrews, best selection of beer anywhere, including specials through Tuesday. Corona 24-pack bottles, just $27.97. Dozeki's 12-pack bottles, $11.99. Modelo 24-pack cans, $27.97. Lion Kugel variety 12-pack cans, $14.95. Wine coolers, water, soft drink, snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and hot every day. The pickle bar led by, yes, the barrels and the dills, indeed, second to none. All at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. I'm in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Uh, the Penn State Board of Trustees approving money for uh, Penn State football. Uh, it's a multi-phase project, including uh, now renovating uh, parts of Lash Building, especially the uh, offices and meeting areas for the coaches. As someone who's been there, uh, obviously, a lot, I can tell you they do need renovating. It's been 20 years, so renovating it is the right thing to do. They're also going to do improvements to Haluba Hall. Remember, Haluba Hall is now 33 years old. And so they're going to do uh, both the exterior and the interior of Haluba Hall and also the practice fields. What you may think of about the practice fields, they do the best they can with it, but it should be pointed out they are not completely level. They are not as flat as people realize, so they're going to do that as well. I mean, it's subtle, but they need to do it. Uh, and uh, this will be money well spent. And investing in Penn State football, which, of course, is the financial driver for athletics. All right, coming up, the Penn State men's lacrosse team won its way to the Big Ten championship game, which will be tomorrow. They beat Rutgers with relative ease last night. The head coach of the Nittany Lions is Def, Jeff Tambroni. They're ranked number one in the country. We'll talk to him in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Brewers Outlet. They are ranked number one in the country. They beat Rutgers in the Big Ten semifinals with relative ease. They go after the Big Ten tournament championship tomorrow. Jeff Tambroni is the head coach of the Penn State men's lacrosse team. Again, the number one team in the country. Jeff, welcome. It's great to have you with us. Great. Thanks for having me, Steve. All right. So let's let's get to the, the nuts and, and bolts of this. And this is something I brought up on the network show to you, so I'll follow up on it now. During a series job on faceoffs, your team number is, I want to say, 59%, but he's six, almost 63%. What does it mean to the tone and tenor of a game if five out of eight times you're getting that ball? Yeah, I mean, Gerard has done a fantastic job since the day he walked on campus, and he's still just a junior. He's he's going to be the all-time you know, face-off leader when he, before he graduates, and uh, he's put just so much time and effort into to what he's done. In the first couple of years, um, it it meant the world to us. You know, we had possession the offensive end, and our team's success really 
um, you know, came from from what what Gerard was doing at the faceoff X this year. Gerard has continued to do a wonderful job. He's not statistically maybe where he was in years one and two, and I think our team has responded better um, when Gerard has played well, uh, but but doesn't have to play exceptional for us to to win games right now. But he sets the tone in every game. Obviously, is after every goal and the starting uh, of every quarter. So we rely on him heavily. Um, I think his. His work ethic going into games, his poise uh, during games, uh, I think guys look to him as a leader, not not just in what he could do um, on the field, but the way he carries himself. So it, it's it's gotten off to us, gotten us off to a great start, giving our offense a chance to really get into a rhythm in, in a lot of these games, and giving our defense a lot of breaks throughout the course of them after we we score goals, getting the ball back in the offensive end. There's also a couple things that I'll look at where I'll say, hey, look, how hard is this team working? I'll look at ground balls. You're winning ground balls left and right. What does it tell you about a talented team that has that kind of work ethic? Well, first off, I, I'll say, Steve, I'm impressed with your with your optics of the, the game of lacrosse, and and I think you're dead on. I think when it comes to um, the sport of lacrosse, possession is king. Starts with Gerard; he's just been fantastic, and then just that work ethic off the ground. We we start every single practice, um, you know, for for probably anywhere from from three to five minutes with a ground ball drill. Every single practice this year has started the exact same way. And when our coaching staff met through the course of our winter summit in December, that was one of the things that we talked about. We wanted to be great uh, when it came to shooting percentage. We wanted to be great off the ground. We just felt like those are the things that we could could control. Um, certainly sweat equity had to go into both of those. There's a lot of repetition. Um, but, it, but I think a mindset needed to go into it off the ground. And we didn't feel like we did a great job. Uh, last year in 2018 of winning our fair share of the battles and it's it's not just picking the ball up there's a lot of ground balls that come out into the open field but there's a lot of ground balls that come in there um, that are 50-50 balls and it's just going to be about desire it's going to be about technique and I think our guys have had a lot of will when the ball's on the ground but I do think we set the tone we try to um, in practice every single day after stretch it's the first thing we do and I think it's really kind of you know bled into the mentality of our team I mean, sometimes one will just come to you, but to me, it's, to me, that's the element of saying, "Okay, I know we're talented, but we will outwork you." Right? That—that's what it shows me. I want to get to Colby Nice now, last line of defense, but you do have possession, so there will be times where he's standing there, right? All right, but when it's time, and he's had to respond, how well has he responded? He. I think he did a good job in his first two years and then got off to a great start this year. Um, if you look at our first three games, statistically, I would have to imagine he was as good as anyone in the country. I would bet he was upwards of, of 70%. And then I think in the middle stretch of our season, I would say defensively and in goal, um, we were playing well, but but not at an elite level, not anywhere near it. And, and, I, and I felt like there was something off. And you could look at the rhythm – of, of the way we were practicing. Certainly, I, I, I look at our coaching staff and what we did for Colby throughout the course of the week, and I don't think we were giving him enough throughout the course of the week to prepare himself appropriately on the weekend. And I would say in the last four or five games, uh, we've gotten a lot more volume with Colby. Colby's gotten a lot of rhythm and a lot of confidence throughout the week of practice, but I give him 100% of the credit. He has just worked so hard. His approach to practice on a daily basis has been second to none in terms of how focused he has been um, his confidence has remained the same, and it's tough. As a goalie, when you see the ball go in, you see failure. Um, in other areas of the field, you have other people that can back you up or, or protect you. Um, he doesn't, so I think that's an immediate failure <clears throat> or, or a reflection on on his play, but but he has not allowed it to 
to kind of put him in a position where it's 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 a momentum builder in a in a negative sense. He's he has quickly shaken it off and gone in a great direction. So our defense, I think, in the last four or five games is really playing well, and I think Colby Canise is a big part of that. And I think his approach in practice, his commitment to practice, is a big reason for that. Part of that is the offense part is fun, but to win you have to have the two way commitment. Especially in the last four or five games, have you seen more of a two-way commitment, especially in the midfield? Yeah, I think it's a great point. I think that has been the biggest change to our team. You know, Coach Toner, our assistant uh, coach, uh, defensive coordinator, has done a wonderful job, and and it's really just, you know, nothing out of out of the ordinary. He has just really stressed the fundamentals. And I think over the last four or five weeks, our guys, their their commitment to those fundamentals, and and. We say this all the time to our guys, don't get bored with the monotonous. You just got to continue to keep grinding and do simple really well. And I think that's the mantra that they've taken on. They've done all the little things, the simple things, um, and they've kept it very simplistic, and they've just done them really well. So I think over the last four or five weeks, um, the offense continues to keep moving forward. Um, We've had some moments in the offensive end where we've struggled. We've had some moments in the offensive end they played well, but the defense has been very consistent over through our Big Ten play for sure. You have five players right now with 20 or more goals. Two others, by the way, to make it seven in double digits. What has that balance meant? You know, in the last couple of games, especially, I would say when you look at the Big Ten competition, you don't want, ever want to put yourself in a position to have one or two guys and, and then have your the fate of your success on their ability to, to perform because you just never know what the matchup's going to look like. And if there's ever a point when they're – their defensive strategy or their matchups are just better than ours. Um, you're going to pin yourself into a corner and certainly not be as consistent as you as you need to be, certainly through the Big Ten, let alone the rest of our schedule. Um, so I think certainly in the last four or five weeks through our Big Ten competition, it has meant you know the world to our success. The depth of our team has taken a lot of pressure off of, of the household names in the sport of lacrosse, like Grant Amen and Mac O'Keefe and Nikki Spillane, and seeing some of these younger guys come up and perform the way they are um, in some big games, uh, I think it's just gone a long way. Not not only has, has it allowed us to be more productive in these games, but it's taken a lot of pressure um, and eased the burden of some of these guys that, that are that are typically carrying the ball for us or, or producing for us at such a high level. It's allowed them to play a little bit more comfortably and more relaxed. In watching your, your program develop, you've obviously – try to recruit skill, but what is also the element of recruiting speed combined with skill meant to what we're seeing now? So I just, I think the game has changed a lot, the evolution of the game, especially with the shot clock. So I think, you know, especially in the middle of the field, you're, you're going to have to have just bigger, stronger athletes. I don't think that goes away in any sport. Um, our game, however, could be controlled through the clock um, prior to this year on the shot clock with uh, just ball possession. So you didn't necessarily need to have athletes. You can control the game, play it on both ends of the field, in the boxes, uh, and play six on six as much as you could. So yeah, you could play not to lose. Exactly. Right? And, and, I mean, it was like the old four corner offense that Dean Smith exactly. had in basketball. Yeah. And strategy and tactics came yes. a lot more into play. Yeah. The way it is played now, more like basketball, you just have to have guys that can get up and down the field or up and down the floor, and you got to give these guys a chance to play. There's just so much more of a creative element that goes into this. Um, that if you don't have the athletes uh, on both sides of the field, not just on one side or the other, on both sides of the field, um, you're you're going to run into, in, in a league competition, you're going to run into a lot of trouble. So I, I do think we've tried to, to work hard to recruit our kind of guy. I think Penn State wants to recruit a certain kind of a player, um, one that connects to 
Penn State Athletics, Penn State University, a little bit more of a blue collar. Um, mm-hmm. We do need to have some skill. You need to develop that, especially in the offensive end. But I do love um, the guys through the middle of the field and the back of the field, and I do think they, they are very symbolic of what it means to be a part of Penn State Athletics and Penn State Lacrosse. And part of that means this week, next week, it turns out you've got senior day, but this is today the final day of classes. And as you and I both know, there are some professors that will do their finals this week. Then there are others that obviously will do it next week. How do you handle these two weeks in particular, especially trying to gather a practice together? Yeah, well, we haven't managed it extremely well um, as I look back at our program historically. So, you know, this year we, we typically give our guys on Tuesday before a Saturday game. That, that's team keys. We give them the team keys, and we try to keep our team keys within three. We give them three three keys that we think are important that we need to focus on through the course of the week, whether it's how we're going to prepare or how we're going to play against our opponent or a combination of the two. This week we gave them one key, and it was just to be present. Okay. There's just so much going on. we got alumni weekend. we got senior day. you got exams coming up, and we got a big game uh, to compete and play against Rutgers. And the most important thing is going to be our, our, our game against Rutgers at 2.30. But there's other things that we want to celebrate. We want to celebrate our seniors. We want to celebrate the families of those seniors. We want to celebrate our alumni uh, who have developed such a, a wonderful foundation that we now stand on. And I think as long as our guys can just strategize throughout the course of the week, not procrastinate, and, and each time they're in something, whether it's a practice, it's a class, it's the library, it's the senior day ceremony, whatever it might be, to try to just focus their attention. And, and it's tough. It's tough for all of us because there's yeah. so many things running through our minds and um, it's just not the way the world works is these days. But I think our guys have done a really good job leading up into today, and I'm confident in this group. I think they've done a really good job. Our, our seniors have led uh, that way in that regard, and I'm, I'm confident that they'll do a great job tomorrow. And eight of them, by the way, are going to be honored tomorrow. They've meant a lot Correct. to what you've done here. Uh, yeah. Because it's hard to look back sometimes because you're trying to look forward to tomorrow. That's the next thing. But what have those eight meant just to get you on the road to where you are today? So I, I look at it in a couple of different ways. There are definitely guys in this in this group of eight that when you look at game day or statistically have really stood out. Chris Sabia is one that comes to mind. Nick Spillane certainly comes to mind. Um, our captains have done a great job. You can add Michael Arenow and, and Matt Donnelly in that group with Chris Sabia. But I think if I were to take the entire group, um, just as, as – as they've collaborated their leadership, you have guys that um, have accepted and embraced a role, whether it's in the locker room, on the field, socially, with social media. Um, each one has has kind of put their ego aside, and they've really just done a phenomenal job. So whereas we don't lose a ton statistically, this group in particular, in terms of their their leadership of our culture, their willingness to to lead by their actions. Um, not only do they know the way, but they're going the way. Um, that will be missed. So I, I, I would imagine, and we say this each and every year, your legacy should be that you just leave it better than you found it. And if it's just as simplistic as that, you've done a great job of building on the legacy of Penn State Lacrosse. They have done that and then some. I also think they've strengthened our culture. They've raised the expectations and standards of, of what it means to be a great teammate and accountable to one another. Um, and they've done it in a very humble fashion. I'm just really proud of the humility that they carry into that locker room and on that field every day. And Mike Arenow, by the way, was one of those who spoke at the Learfield event and could not have represented oh, that's the nice student athletes any better Thank than, you. How he, than how he did. Just by having the name Penn State across the front, you're going to have, might as well just put a target there to begin with. 
Obviously, it's added to with the ranking. We understand that. How do you manage noise so that they understand that all the control is within that locker room and not from the outside, pro or con? Yeah. I, I think if you look back about the middle of the years, just when we were starting to rise up on the charts of, of the national rankings and you know we made it into the top 10 and then we were in the top five and then I don't remember the exact date, but then, then we, you know, we were ranked number one in a couple of the polls. And at that point, at that moment, our coaching staff frequently talked to our team about managing those expectations, about just making sure that I think it's unrealistic to tell them um, to ignore everything. I think that's part of it. And I think they want to embrace it. If people are going to talk about us in a positive or somebody believes that at this point we should be at this uh, ranking, I think that that's a wonderful compliment, and we should embrace that. Um, but at the same time, I think if anyone wants to truly recognize where we are, where they are, the people inside that locker room or people inside our coaching staff um, is are going to tell them the, the realistic nature of where we are. And I think it's important for us to communicate back and forth in that way. Um, we haven't had to, to talk about it much. I think there was a, about a, a week or two that we did need to just manage our expectations, just make sure our guys were going to embrace it, but manage it the right way. Continue to stay hungry in our approach, but but very humble um, in your actions. And and now in the last couple of weeks, I don't think we we haven't talked about it much. I don't think we have to manage it, and and it's based on their actions. So I felt like if in practice we see these guys either acting a certain way or or not coming prepared to work or focus, then I think we would need to talk about it. and We would address it. Um, they really check each other very well. They hold each other accountable. There, it is. It's fun to watch these guys. Um, See, that's the culture part there. Yeah, they hold themselves accountable. <clears throat> exactly. When they take ownership of it, that it's a great point. Yeah. yeah, that's a great point. And and they don't allow each other to take each other themselves too serious. None of them do. And, that was going to be and, my yeah, next question. Yeah, and, <laughs> and that's a fun. That's a fun culture to watch because you know our quote unquote stars get it as much as anyone does in that locker room, and it's good to see some of those other guys be able to um, chop them down in a realistic and fun nature uh, to keep everybody on the same page as peers. Well, you've accomplished a lot to this point. Congratulations! Thank on you. That. Nothing but the best moving forward. You've done a great job of preparing. Yeah, thank you, Steve. I appreciate that. Through good times and tough times, he's remained the same guy. Jeff Tambroni, he's done a great job with this Penn State men's lacrosse team. They're on the verge of winning not only the Big Ten regular season championship, but the tournament championship. All right, next half hour, Tony Knopp. We'll talk with him. Today's show brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury. Here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Brewers Outlet, the beverage super stock superstores, ready for all of your warm weather activities. Camping, picnics, grilling, visit Brewers Outlet first. For microbrews, imports, domestic specialties, they got them. Grab some pickles at the Pickle Bar, Steve Jones' favorite place. Snacks? Brewers Outlet has that covered. Soda, sports drinks? Check. Weekly specials, too. And there's lots of convenient parking. So get all the refreshments everyone will love for your next outdoor gathering at Brewers Outlet, the beverage super stock superstore, Reagan Street, Sunbury. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Sunbury Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Mertz family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. 
The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Welcome back. Great to have you with us on this Friday. Brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the Beverage Supermarket, Imports Domestics, Microbrews, best selection of beer anywhere, including specials now through Tuesday. Corona 24 pack bottles, $27.97. Dozeckis. 12-pack bottles, $11.99. Modelo 24-pack cans, $27.97. And Line and Kugel Variety 12-pack cans, $14.95. They also have wine coolers, water, soft drinks, snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and hot every day. And the pickle bar, all together now, led by the barrels and the dills. Indeed, second to none. All at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street, and Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. We're in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And now the business of sports, our great friend, Tony Knopp. Welcome, Tony. Great to have you with us. Everything is fantastic. I hear you guys are finally getting the uh, spring weather there. Absolutely. I mean, in fact, I'm doing the show outside on a chaise lounge as we speak. <laughs> you, got, you got to maximize it when you get the chance, right? You got that right. It's a small window. <laughs> I want to start with the impact that one man can have. What did Tiger Woods just do for the PGA Tour? It's You know, it's funny. When you talk to people... Um, outside of the business they feel like there wasn't as big of an impact as you'd expect but when you look at the way he impacted not just the ratings of the masters considering the early start right it it outdid last year's masters or i believe it was even even though it was an 8 a.m start uh which you know usually doesn't happen and then what it's done to his sponsors for example bridgestone can't keep the balls on the shelf so they did a you know somewhat limited release of tiger's ball that he played at the masters it sold out in the pre-sale and then people found out that it was the kind of ball that they've been selling for the last couple of years, and that all got wiped out, too. So just the amount of consumerism that comes from what Tiger can do, is it's shocking. It really is. I mean, I knew it was going to be a big deal. I knew what he was going to do to that tournament if, you know, he was in it. And, look, the reality is if that tournament was on, I mean, everything almost came together. You had Tiger in it. You had Tiger in it on a Sunday that was not on Easter Sunday. What people forget is a lot of times the Masters can fall on Easter Sunday. Right. The only thing that stopped that from being as big as the 97 Masters, money-wise, was the, the weather. You know, because it was, it was, there was a 70, 70% chance of rain on Sunday mm-hmm. as a Friday, and everybody knew it. And the concern was, and this is how first-world problems, that the private jets weren't going to be able to get out of there. So the airport had to, had to issue a uh, warning that if you come in for the Masters, you might get stuck overnight and might not be able to come back. Oh, man. So that's the it's a uh, means, but that's the impact that one guy can have, and that, it's an individual sport. 
And I'm not so sure, including LeBron, that one guy can be so pivotal to the success of an organization like he is. Oh, it's it's the amount, the ad sales for the tournaments that we know he's going to play in have all gone up between 20 and 30%. The ticket sales have gone up 30% plus for the tournaments that we know he's going to play in. It's just shocking, and especially now, I mean, imagine if he makes a run at the Open or if he makes a run at the U.S. Open. Because, you know, the next big thing for him is going to be that 18th major. Once he gets to 17, if he does get to 17, I mean, we're talking about this like winning a major is easy, but if he gets to 17, I can't even imagine what 18 is going to be. And, you know, what if he does it at an iconic course? Right. St. Andrews, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. What if he can do it at St. Andrews? Unfortunately, I think Pebble's too soon. Uh, That would be cool if he did it there. That's been a place that he's dominated for quite some time. Um, but yeah, if he can do it at a course like that, that you know, everybody will look at and see the history behind it. I, I can't even imagine what that's going to do for the sport. All right, so now I want to get into something that's going to be a tricky area. But you are always someone that looks at advanced trends. You have to in your uh-huh. business. If you don't look yeah. at advanced trends, you're sunk. The Big Ten will be the first one after being the last one in college football to get its rights deal. They will be the first one in 2022. Mm-hmm. What is the difficulty on your end of predicting a market three years out of cable, over the air, digital, and what the landscape could even look like in three years? Well, so here's the problem. You just don't understand what is going to happen in three years when it comes to the provider side. So what's happening right now is uh, Sunday Ticket, for example. Uh, the NFL is out negotiating Sunday Ticket with other providers. And that's been a 25-year exclusive contract that they've had with AT&T. And it's gotten to a point now where they're starting to sling mud at each other. AT&T has come back and said, well, AT&T has come back and, and, and preemptively canceled the or turned off the uh, NFL network from uh, their DirecTVX offering and from one of their other offerings too, basically trying to send a signal to the NFL that if you break our if you break our exclusive agreement, then we're not going to carry even your linear channels. And the reason they're doing this is there's a conversation about you know the the larger services making a bid, right? Netflix has come out and said they're not going to do it, but Amazon has come forward and said they were going to bid. And there's the Googles and the Facebooks that are out there that have deeper product deeper pockets than you can imagine. So nobody really knows how that's going to play out over the next two years. And then that's going to cascade its way down to the Big Ten Network and an understanding of how we're going to value um, they they don't really want to look at it by audience metrics anymore because people are consuming it in so many different ways. right? They're consuming it online. They're consuming it on TV. They're consuming it. So, you know, I think it's a huge advantage for the Big Ten to be able to do this they also have a pretty good brand going for themselves. But to say what it's going to look like in three years, I have no idea. Because, for example, when the RSNs went for sale, something the listeners may or may not know is when Disney bought Fox, uh, all of these different regional sports networks that carry, you know, Milwaukee Brewers and Bucks games and, you know, the Houston games, that sort of thing, Fox had to sell them. Disney had to sell yes. them off. Right. And they had. This they had is creating chaos. That, this is creating yeah, chaos. So, it's a total mess. So they had 21 networks, and they had an assumption that they're going to be able to sell all of them together for $21 billion. Well, that's not what happened. First, the Yankees exercised and bought out their network, which is the Yes Network. 
Then they decided to bifurcate these networks and sell them off to different people for different prices, some of which are fetching a lot more than others. And there's a bunch of different bidders in it that nobody thought were going to be the bidders, right? So Sterling seems to be the favorite right now. But the belief was Fox Sports was just going to buy them back, and now they've dropped out. Meanwhile, Magic Johnson has joined in with Ice Cube, and they're making a bid on it. So all of the traditional, long answer short, all the traditional things that we've looked at when building a deal for somebody like the Big Ten Network are in total chaos right now because it's a totally different way of consumption. And so who knows what they're going to be able to negotiate at that point. And it's going to be a really big testament to whoever's next because Jim Delaney is going to be gone. Right. And that's the big part there. It's going to be a new negotiator. You're coming in, and (laughs) that's that's a big deal. Yeah, and it is a big deal. And the SEC, is there a concern, though? Uh, do, do corporate partners and people in the, in the world of tickets, the SEC and the Big Ten have really separated themselves financially yeah. from the other three Significant. when it comes to their rights deals? Is that a concern or a plus? For the, for the Big Ten, it's a huge plus. For everybody else, it's a huge negative. I mean, look, the reality is what we run into a lot, and and I think it'll roll into something we'll talk about in a second, is there's, you know, there's this conversation about the way things always are. And I don't think people realize that it's never the way things always are. And so, you know, you look at things like, like these rights deals and what's going to happen with the Big Ten, and you're you're looking at, you know, well, traditionally the Pac-10 has been a power conference along with these other ones. Well, that's out the window now because I don't think the common fan – that doesn't pay attention to this every day, who obviously, if they did, would understand all of it the same way we all do, that the, the gigantic financial difference between the schools right now. I mean, it's in some cases, it's $35 million a year that's going to a Big Ten team that a Pac-10 or an ACC or a Big East, they're just not getting that money. And if you look at how much these athletic departments actually spend on their football teams, Clemson, who basically ran through everybody like a hot knife through butter last year, is right around $40 million. So you're funding the entire football program with the disbursement you're getting from your from your uh, rights deal and from the conference because it's well run. Meanwhile, USC doesn't have that money. Right. You know, they get it in another way. But it's, it's such a significant difference that I think it's going to continue. I talk about this a lot. I think it's going to go the way of European soccer where you just have these superpower conferences and right now, the Big Ten and the SEC are the superpower conferences. They pay the coaches more. They have better TV deals. They have a lot more coverage. And I think what people don't realize is they sit and they say, well, you know, Urban Meyer makes X, whereas, you know, Nick Saban makes Y, and big coach in the ACC makes Z. What you don't realize is that's not the gap. The gap is that the number two guys and the number three guys at Alabama and Ohio State are making three, four, five, six X what the number two and three guys are making at the other programs. And when you have 80 kids on a field, that's a significant differentiator. So when you're talking about a rights deal, you're going to want to carry the best league. That's just the way it is. So it's a huge advantage for the Big Ten. Huge. Now, I want to get back to the regional sports networks for a moment because this is a primary source you know, for the NHL. It's a primary source for Major League Baseball teams. Mm-hmm. Now, the mm-hmm. College has it already. The ACC Network's going to start in August. SEC Network's going. Big Ten Network's going. I don't want to bring up the Pac-12 Network because we're trying to stay positive <laughs> here. Tire fire. <laughs> okay. What a tire fire. It just gets worse Try. every day. 
I know. You have to give it credit. I mean, it's a dumpster fire that festers. Uh, so it's, it's shocking how he still has a job, but I digress. I, I, I we digress. With regional sports networks, Nesson is critical to the success of the Red Sox. Mm-hmm. Yes, is critical to the success of the Yankees. Mm-hmm. Hey, where do you see regional sports networks going? Because that is where corporate partners will eventually follow if they think that's a product they want to be involved in. Yeah, it's, it's regional. That's the thing. Uh, it really enables a, you know, because people will say, well, what's the difference like between national and regional? And you really have to look at it when you're talking about the brands that are, you know, activating around those teams. When you're talking about a regional sports network, you're talking about, you know, I've got a bank that's been a really, really big deal in Florida, and I'd like to extend it to Georgia. Where am I going to spend my money, right? I'm not going to spend my money on teams and programs that are going to give me a whole bunch of ad space in Texas and North Carolina because I don't care. Right? I want to be regional. And so there's a major business that's tied around these regional sports networks. And these regional sports networks are things that enable more content for the teams. It enables the teams to get more uh, relevancy within their market. You know, they get to touch the national uh, network or the national market as well as the regional market. And what's happened with these RSNs is we've kind of iterated our way into how these work economically. Some have done better than others, Right. Uh, yes, which you mentioned earlier, the Yankees were really smart with Yes. They, when they invested into Yes and got involved in that network, they actually had in their clause the ability to buy out the rest of their ownership in that network should something like this happen. And that's what happened. Basically, once the RSNs were available for sale, the Yankees came back and said, hold on a second, we negotiated that if this happens and we don't get a say into who has control over the Yes network, we can buy the rest of it for, I forget the number, it was like $3.1 billion or something like that. And they went and did it. And so they've had a lot of success there. The problem is these things are not as easy as they sound to do. Like in Houston, for example, the Rockets and the Astros tried to build their own regional sports network, and it was right. a dumpster fire. They ended up suing each other. You know, they they were off the air for a year. It was a total mess. So that's why you hear about Major League Baseball saying maybe we'll bid on these because we don't know who wants to buy them. And if a private equity fund buys them, which is – you know, for the listeners, which is basically just a bunch of rich guys need their money to go somewhere. So they give it to this private equity fund who goes and invests in things and tries to get them returned. You know, those funds are driven by monetary returns and monetary returns alone. They do not care about building fan bases. They do not care about what happens in 10 years. They care about what happens in three to five years so I can get Steve's money back and then some. So that's why you see these RSNs all over the news because it really holds a lot of people's uh, destiny in their hands. And now it goes back to the problem of the regional sports network in your area because the Dodgers oh, man. <laughs> had this has been a dumpster fire where they, what we're doing couldn't, out west. <laughs> they, they couldn't even get people to like say let's pick it up. We've got Vin Scully when Vin was still doing the games. No, they, for those who, who maybe haven't been out here in a little while the Dodgers haven't been on television in two and a half years. And they've been to the World Series twice. And local, if you if you do not have Time Warner Cable, you cannot watch Dodger games. There are a few that get through the blackout laws, and they play them on a local station called KCAL. I think it was like 11 games last year. And then when they made their big run at the end of the season, two seasons ago, somehow they negotiated a deal where they showed the last 10 regular season games on, I don't remember, some local station. It might have been KCAL 9. So, no, I mean, basically... They kept waiting. Time Warner kept waiting for everybody else to blink, and the providers never blinked. They just basically said, look, if you want to carry Dodger games, we want you to pay us X. 
And, you know, they said, no, we're not going to do that. We think it's too much money. We think you're overvaluing it with what's happening in the market. And, look, this isn't just sports. It's happening across the board. I know Dish Network and HBO are having the same fight, and I don't think HBO has been on Dish Network for five months. So you're just seeing this consistent movement of things are changing where people are trying to hold on and say, look, if we let go of this, we might be letting go of a lot of money. And that's why we go all the way back to the RSN and their value, and we go back to the Big Ten Network and how you're going to value this in three years. Because who knows? I wouldn't be surprised if you see a deal happen way before that for the Big Ten Network. All right, so I want to get to to MLS for a moment. They are a a league that is right now fighting to be financially successful. But in reality, do they have a model that other leagues should be looking at? They're financially, economically, they're doing well. Uh, They... What's basically happened, you know, if, if you're seeing the news, they're talking about expanding to 30 teams now. Uh, they got themselves in a little bit of a pickle in that they limited the amount of expansion teams they were going to have, and they had, you know, too many exception stories, right? So, you know, there was a belief that Columbus was going to move to Austin, and so you didn't need an expansion team in Austin. And then we could expand, you know, with the Enterprise owner, which could be the first female owner in the league, and then you could pick a team like Sacramento. And what happened was Columbus got bought, and they're staying in Columbus. So now you have to expand in Austin. And you're now cutting out a team that had a really good shot of, of you know, joining the league in the near future. So now right. they just come right out and said, we're going to go to 30 teams so they can accommodate all of those. And now there's more teams coming out of the woodwork that seem to be able to make this work for them. The problem the MLS has is because they're so focused on being financially profitable up front, you know, it's it's like any other business, right? You, If you buy, and for the listeners who maybe don't pay that much attention to, you know, international soccer, if you go buy a team like Manchester City, like what happened 15 years ago, or Chelsea, who, you know, Manchester City was kind of a doormat for a long time. Now, if you look at Manchester City, they're one of the best teams in the world because you have this uber-wealthy guy come in there and just burn money for the eight, first eight years so he can catch up to everybody else. The MLS is not letting their teams do that. And so even though they're healthy in North America and people like them and the statistics are up and we're all very bullish on them as a business, every year when they go to the club cup, they get blasted. I think they lost seven to two, uh, sporting KC right. did. And so at some point it'll be, it'll be really curious to see like if MLS wants to become a, a, an international power where we're legitimately sending a team from here to compete with, you know, Liverpool or Manchester City or Tottenham somebody's going to have to just say, look, we just got to burn some money for a little while. And they haven't done that yet. So it's been a great league, and they're making a lot of money. Attendance has been great. Internationally, the day is going to come where they're going to have to start competing. Yeah. No question. Well, I can't believe it. We've done 20 minutes here. We're done? <laughs> <I'm> kidding? <laughs> there's, going to be a point, there's going to be a point where you and I are going to sit down and have some beverages, and like six hours later, like I guess we better stop, right? <laughs> it's gonna come. I'm I'm definitely coming out for the whiteout this year, the uh, Michigan game on the 19th. I will for be at that game. For goodness' sakes, you gotta come over and see us. Oh yeah, we definitely will. It's gonna come be fantastic. My well, Jack will be there. The whole deal. My goodness, I can't wait to see you. Yeah, it's gonna be. I, and, and I've been watching those whiteouts for the last few years. I, I have to get to one. I have to. Hey. Got to get you here. That'd be awesome. I uh, look forward to it more than you know. 
It'll be a good time, and, and we'll have more than 20 minutes. <laughs> a lot more than 20 minutes. That's That'll be even better. Tony, thanks so much. I'm glad we finally got your weather. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Enjoy it. Enjoy it for now. It's uh, it gets will, hot we, soon, right, for both of us. It does. Hey, we'll talk soon, my friend. All right. Thank you much. The great Tony Knopp. Always great to hear him. Next half hour, Dick Girardi on the Kentucky Derby and also the Kentucky Oaks, which is being run this afternoon. Derby is tomorrow. Oaks is this afternoon. We'll hear from Dick in just a few moments in the next half hour. Today's show brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street, and Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Dick Girardi coming up in the next half hour as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK.